The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And it is another edition of Mick Shots on this Tuesday. Uh, I guess it's late morning. I am Mickey Spagnola, and joining me, Everson Walls and Bill Jones should be along in a moment. He had uh, something going on, said he'd be cutting it real close, so we hope to have Bill as we go through this next hour here on DallasCowboys.com. And I'm in the SWBC Mortgage Studio, and Everson Walls is in the Walls Studio at home. How are you doing today? The renovated, the renovated studio. Pop, we got popcorn off. Oh, popcorn is gone. Popcorn is gone. I'm on to the next phase, baby. I am on to the next phase. And if it wasn't for having such crappy games on Saturday, (laughs) I probably still would have been sitting here with popcorn hovering over me. But man, it was so boring. I, you know, and plus. Let's just be real, man. I mean, I know we had a a team that was very average. I know that we didn't do well when it came to, you know, adversarial problems and things of that nature. But, you know, when your team's not in it, it, it's just kind of hard to stay extremely focused, especially in a blowout. Well, I mean, it was somewhat close. I mean, I guess you you weren't engaged with Packers-Rams. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> once once uh, Aaron Donald went out, you know, I kind of figured what was happening was going to happen. I mean, they actually made it somewhat interesting, but, you know, it, it, it was typical of what you expected from the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is flawless. It, it's almost it. Aaron Rodgers reminds me of LeBron James in regards to the fact that he's playing a game within a game, you know? Uh, there are times you think you have him under control. You don't. He's right. just testing you. And that's what was happening in the game. He was just pr- pricking and prodding and just trying to figure out the best way he's going to beat you. Not if I can beat you, but how I'm going to beat you because beating you is inevitable. And that's the way it usually is with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and the amazing thing about the Packers is, that, you know, they do it with, uh, I mean, I understand – you know the the wide receiver thing, right? Uh, you know that that, that he, uh, you know he's he's basically uh, has the opportunity to throw to Devonte Adams. But after that, the wide receivers he's throwing to are you serious? And, and they and they still you know put up almost 500 yards of of, of offense. Uh, you know with with a guy by the name of Lazard and. Uh, what's the other guy's name that, that has the, all the na- uh, two last names? Val- Valdez Scandling, right? Are you kidding me? And, 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 but the key thing to me, uh, Everson, was the fact that they, they, they came out saying, we're going to run the ball on you, by the way, L.A. Rams. And, and, you know, Donald or no Donald, we're running the football. And they ran for, what, 188 yards? That's, that's well, let's, be, let's Pack, be clear now. That's he, under Packer-like. Aaron Donald came in. He was he was he was having issues already coming into the game. I mean, let's let's just be clear about that. I don't think a fully healthy Aaron Donald they would have been able to handle him co- consistently throughout the game. I get that, but when you look at this team, if you're a professional wide receiver, Spags. You know, I like it how people, you know, guys like uh, good quarterbacks, they spread the ball around to different receivers. Let's be real now. If you made the pros as a wide receiver, catching the ball shouldn't be that damn hard, okay? I mean, and if you're running in a zone wide open, and it seems to be every wide receiver is wide open all the time, the scheme itself is good, but... Being able to catch a ball is no big deal. Hell, the first time they tried me back in, back in 1981, I caught the ball. So catching the ball is no big deal. 
You know, but as far as I'm concerned, it's the system itself that has those wide receivers just running through zones wide open all the time. So as much as Aaron Rodgers is amazing, that system itself seems to be working so well to where if you're wide open, yeah, catch the ball. It's no big deal. You've been doing it since you were 10 years old. Well, you know what? The way uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, handed off to Aaron Jones for 99 yards, I'm going to hand off to Bill Jones <laughs> because I think Bill is ready to join us. Nice segue. Nice. How y'all doing? We're good. How are you? What's going on, William? I'm doing all right. I'm sorry I'm a little late. I had a appointment, uh, and you know how that goes? Yep. No, we don't know. We don't want to hear it. Nobody um, wanted to hear my excuses. I don't want I to hear actually, yours. You are I now actually, the Everson Walls of this group. I left the <laughs> office at 11.08, and I was on track to get here at my home office and be ready to go at 11.30, but I didn't factor in the – I didn't – Factor in the trash pickup, and I got stuck behind the trash <laughs> pickup guys on a little two-lane road by my house. That's a good one, Bill. I'm going to use that I'm one later on. on. He ain't I'm blaming blame it on, on the, the dog. He's man. blaming it on the trash man. You know, I'm not blaming it on the trash man why I didn't get here in time. And I, I, I was, I I've been listening guys, to you. It took a little bit of time I don't know if I told to you guys the story about – Lawrence Taylor said he was late to training camp practice, which is a quarter mile walk from the dorm, from the locker room to the field. And in between the field and the locker room, you know, people actually walk and they actually have their cars on the little gravel road. So we all kind of meander our way on through. And so LT was late for practice and, and Be Belichick asked him well, why. He said traffic. <laughs> so I thought that traffic from the locker room to the field is what held him up. So that's pretty good. So uh, I don't well, know if you I'm heard. Remember. I don't know if you heard Everson say he got bored watching the games on Saturday, so he got the popcorn <laughs> off the ceiling. Did you get bored watching the games on Saturday? <laughs> well, you know, I I didn't watch the Saturday night game, Mickey, because I had a high school football state championship oh, game that I went right. to on Saturday night. But I that's right. I am familiar with what happened, though. Uh, so we could break down that high school game if you'd like to, but we don't need to. Do I that. would. I would. I ain't gonna lie. I would love to hear about the high school game, Bill. For real. <laughs> it was the dodgeball. And a Dodge I, I, I want to tell, I want to, well, and a Dodge one, that's right. I want to tell the son that uh, he needs to, uh, well, I won't get into that on, on the air. I'll, I'll tell you off the air what I should tell the son about the, the, the dad's team. Although, all right, there, you know, RPOs are big at every level of football from the NFL on down to high schools and and we're talking about the Austin Westlake Southlake Carroll game and Todd Dodge won his sixth state championship he was coaching against his son Riley Dodge who's a 32 year old head coach at Southlake Carroll they called ineligible receiver downfield at least three times on the Austin team and but what it is it's they run those RPOs and and at the high school level, you know, at the NFL, you can't have a lineman downfield, okay? And they may give you the grace of a yard or so around the line of scrimmage anymore, but uh, at the lower levels, they it is trickery at work here uh, with these coaches and running these RPOs. And what they do is they teach their offensive linemen to stay low as if they're run blocking, give the look of a run, and and they advance downfield a little bit, okay? Uh, and But they're throwing the ball instead. And so it freezes those linebackers and the safety where uh, just, you know, obviously all you got to do that is for a split second and the guy's running free behind you. Um, I guarantee you the son knew exactly what the dad does all the time, told the officials before the game, this is what they do. They called it three times, but I bet you they did it about every pass play. And, uh, and so uh, dad didn't care. He's going up against son, and son was just com as competitive going up against dad. But it, it is interesting uh, when you talk about these RPOs, 
run-pass option and the way they do use their offensive linemen to de- try to disguise what they're doing uh, scheme-wise offensively. And so I think it, it also relates to the NFL level, uh, what you see at the lower level. Well, that's where I think we... it's tough enough just playing coaching against your dad. You know, that? that's the... I think it's tough enough coaching against your son yeah. or coaching against your dad. I would never want to do that. If, if my son, my son is pretty good at cracking on people all the time. He's a jokester, and I think I'm pretty good too. But there's no way that I can get into a, a trash-talking deal with my son. <laughs> Eventually, I would get too, too deep, man. You know what I mean? You know, I, would, I would go for the jugular, and then I would never forgive myself for that. So I just couldn't, yeah. I couldn't go against family in that. I, that would you be know, tough. You know, the embrace after the game was not that long. I think that both these guys <laughs> are so competitive. They both wanted to win so badly. I mean, think about you, Everson. When you have, let's just say you're around your family, holidays, and you're playing board games or whatever, how competitive are you with your family plan? I'm as competitive. My, my family will tell you, I'm, as, I'm the most competitive person going. And so it gets, it gets heated at times. I think with me, I, I know my limitations. So <laughs> I don't do board games. I don't. <laughs> I don't play them. I observe only because if I start getting into it, then it's something that I can't, I can't pull away from. And feelings are going to get hurt. And, and you know, wills are going to be rewritten if, if we start getting into it too deep. You know what I'm saying? And you can only imagine what Mickey is like. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey will pull protest. Mickey would protest a loss, probably. You should have, you should have, you should have seen some of the uh, basement ping pong games my sister and I got into because I taught her how to play, and I probably taught her a little too well, and I had to play hard. You know, you you start off playing left-handed just to you know be kind of competitive. Then I'm playing right-handed, and it's like, oh, I guess I got to go here now. <laughs> I got one story. I got one story. My sister's going to kill me. I was sitting with my best friend. We're about 15 years old. I'm the youngest in the family. And we're playing dominoes. Now, you know, when it comes to dominoes, you got to talk trash. Mm-hmm. And I don't think my sister understood that, right? So she's older than me. So, of course, I domino, and I'm slapping it down. I'm talking trash. I'm on your backs. Let's go, blah, blah, blah. I said I, was, I killed you, and I was in her face like that. And she just calmly put her dominoes down and slapped me right across my face. (laughs) That is the last time I played any games with family. So you just got to learn. You got to learn. Hey, Everson, I got a story just like that. This is my nephew, Will, who's now 25, 26 years old. But this was when he was about five or six years old. We're out here in my house here. My office here, it's above the garage, it overlooks the driveway. We've got a basketball goal out there. All right, we're playing two-on-two. It's me and my brother-in-law. And I I can't remember the teams. But anyway, Will, the five- or six-year-old, was on the other team. Well, we win the game. I'm jumping around in the driveway up, up and down going, yes, yes, yes. Will, he's five years old. He comes charging at me and with his fist puts it right where it hurts the most. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> where did he learn that? Where did he learn that? <laughs> so so that, that's how competitive it is around here. So case in point on all that, you can only imagine what it's, what it's like when it's your livelihood, it's your profession, yeah. and you, you, uh, that father-son stuff, throw that out the window. I'm trying to beat that guy on that the other side. That could go on for years, by the way. That could go yeah, on right. for years, that rivalry. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, but uh, – yeah, the whole RPO thing, though, uh, with the uh, – it's very interesting how it's changed. Uh, you know, football is ever-evolving strategy-wise. And um, and I think on, on this, uh, you know, the ineligible uh, receiver downfield stuff that, you know, it's a five-yard penalty right now. I think it needs to be a 10-yard penalty just to – to, because it, it is basically it should be the same as holding because you're basically holding the linebacker in safety from being able to do their job because uh, you're doing something 
uh, illegal <laughs> to to keep them at bay. And so watch for it when you're when you're watching games. How many times that uh, offensive coordinators get away with their linemen uh, downfield on those RPO plays? Well, that would that would be Baltimore uh, would be one of those teams. There you go. That uh, had to deal with that. Well, making other teams deal with that because. You know, when you're looking at Lamar Jackson, you're looking at the best RPO quarterback probably in history, especially with the speed. And once again, we were, I was kind of disappointed in his uh, lack of passing prowess this year, especially after the improvements that he made last year, which got him the MVP trophy. He didn't get the MVP trophy for just being able to run the ball. He got the trophy because he was able to show his improvement in passing the ball. Which, by the way, was I the only one to pick the Bills to win that game? Yeah, I know I picked. Uh, you know my pick. My pick was Baltimore. I think I went with Baltimore. I went yeah. with Everson. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, get them I was all right? very disappointed. Ah, uh, no, in... I missed the Saints. Okay, yeah. You missed the Saints. Oh, yeah. you had the you you had the Saints. Yeah. No, yeah. I was just I was just disappointed. I was very disappointed in uh, Baltimore's uh, offense. I really was. Defensively, they did it the best they could, but offensively, those same demons came back to haunt them. And uh, you know, otherwise, the Sunday games were good. I really enjoyed the Sunday games, but Saturday, a little bit disappointing. Let's get into that when we come back in a moment. Uh, Hot sports opinion about the Cleveland Browns at the end of that game. Uh, And I would like to know what analytics says about a certain decision that was made towards the end of that game uh, with the Browns head coach. Uh, And we got much more to get into. There's things going on there at the Star in Frisco as well. Mickey can bring us up to speed on as we continue on mix shots here in just a moment. Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery today. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Grab some OtterBox gear and get ready for hanging with the boys. From rugged venture coolers to tough-as-nails elevation tumblers, we've got what you need to keep your game day drinks frosty and your football feast ice cold. And with cases, screen protectors, and power accessories, you can defend your phone and stay connected to every play. Gear up at OtterBox.com and amp up the fun of every Cowboys game. That's OtterBox.com. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. To mixed shots. Cowboys Nation, get the best deal of the season. 60% off all salute to service and crucial catch gear. You heard right, 60% off these limited time collections. Plus, the Pro Shop has a huge selection of cold weather gear and more deals for every fan. Visit your local Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop or go to shop dot dallascowboys.com for the best savings on your new gear today talking about uh, divisional playoff weekend what happened on saturday and uh, let's uh, turn our attention to sunday a little bit and uh, of course you had the great uh, quarterback matchup on sunday night with 
Breeze against Brady, and then the early game you had Mayfield against Mahomes. Mahomes gets hurt, and Chad Henney winds up uh, winning that game for the Chiefs in the final minutes with a scramble and then a fourth down uh, play to Tyreek Hill to seal the deal. But uh, let's talk about um, the Browns and their decision with four and a half minutes to go in the game uh, to punt the football away, and I believe they had at least used one of their timeouts at that point. And, um, and I just think it was a critical mistake uh, for Kevin Stefanski to punt the ball away, uh, and even though it was fourth and nine or whatever it was, and you're on into the field. But considering the fact that you're only down five points, and okay, you're asking your defense by punting the ball away, you got to get a stop because basically, what maybe one first down, but for, for sure, two first downs wins the game for the Chiefs. And you're asking your defense, they got to get a stop. Well, let's say that you don't get the first down uh, on your fourth down play, and now you have, you're basically having to ask your defense to do the exact same thing you're asking them if you're punting the ball away. You limit them to a field goal, and you're only down one score still. It's still an eight-point game. And so I think the the risk of punting the ball away doesn't match up with the reward of going for it on that uh, fourth down play. I just thought it was a huge mistake, and I don't know what analytics would say about something like that, but uh, I think there was a, a huge mistake not to go for it on that fourth down play by, by Cleveland. What do you all think? Well, the other, the other part of that is and you knew that when when Kansas City got the ball so they were going to either get the ball cuz they they were facing a fourth and 9 at uh, at Cleveland was facing the fourth and 9 at their 32 so say you picked up 7 yards or 6 yards right they're going to be in field goal range right away like you said but right. the other factor is is okay they're playing with a backup quarterback now also. Yep. So uh, I yep. think you had to factor that in to, to not give. And they only had one more timeout left, Bill. They had used their second one but, in that series. So. The, and that was the critical thing. If, the, if they had three timeouts left, okay. But in this league with the timing rules in the NFL, if you've got less than three, especially if you only got one, you got to treat that that it's basically two and a half minutes left of the game, not four and a half minutes left. Yeah, absolutely. Think, and, think, and, you know, they had it set up. They, I mean, they had them third and four, uh, and they allowed Henny to throw the little short pass to, was it Daryl Williams, uh, for five yards and a first down. And that's what really killed the game right there because then all you had was yeah. the two-minute warning left. And, you know, and even if you had right. stopped them on fourth and one, all right, you, you you know you still got only a minute fourteen to go. So. Precious little time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I was a, I was a little surprised they punted it at that time. Actually, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, I think just based on what you said, Spags, you had the backup quarterback. I'm sure Stefanski was looking at that and saying, okay, this is our opportunity. He was trying to be strategic uh, in that regard. If Mahomes would have been quarterbacking then it would have been a totally different story. Uh, his decisions would have been a little bit more uh, dire. Uh, they would have, you know, had a little bit more panic, a little bit more panic to them, a little more sense of urgency. To me, like Spag said, it was working out just the way they, they thought it would. You got a back of a quarterback, you have him on, what was it, third and four? Yeah. I, I'm thinking, I'm going to bet on my defense. I have a hell of a defense in, in Cleveland. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I have a hell of a defense there, and I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with, with my strength at this point. We're gonna be strategic. We're gonna forget the analytics. We're just gonna go with what's traditional. You just don't go for fourth down that deep in your territory. I know that's what he was thinking, and he couldn't justify that, especially when you start looking at the criticisms, and and just with us here. In regards to going for it on fourth down, it may not be a, a fake punt, but going for it kind of deep in your own territory, they just looked at that as a quicker death as opposed to uh, what happened uh, eventually to where they, they kind of drew it out and at least had a chance to make it happen. They just didn't, they just didn't do it on third down defensively. 
And you know what? And, and, well, when, you, and when you look at it, you guys, you know, what, what Everson just said, normally coaching decisions, you try to draw the game out as long as you can and not try to have the outcome resting on one play. And, 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 right. and that's, that's historically the way coaches have coached. It's like, okay, until, the I'm, not, until, I'm, I, until <laughs> I'm in desperate territory with, you know, less than a minute to go. But uh, otherwise, you know, the idea is draw the game out as long as you can. Don't rest it yeah. on one play. So I understand no. that part of it, too. And now we, uh, it's a Mahomes uh, waiting game uh, to get him cleared to play uh, against Buffalo on Sunday. I don't think there's any doubt he'll get cleared. Uh, I mean, Andy Reid was acting like uh, he, in the old days, in Everson's days, uh, he would have gone back into the game probably on Sunday. Of course, it's different <laughs> rules, and that's a good thing as far as getting guys. I don't, I don't know if he could have come back in the game even in the old days. That was, he was well, looking Andy, pretty bad there. Well, I know he was, but Andy Reid <laughs> yesterday, Andy Reid said that uh, he thought because he ran up the ramp a, a little while later, and the game was still going on. That uh, he probably in the old days would have gone right, back, gone not right back in, but eventually gone back in. in the nah, fourth quarter of that game. not this time. You know what? Those I did. Legs I did read. I did read part of part of his problem was that he got the wind knocked out of him also, uh, and and that may be why when he got up, he looked like he was in another world, right? Um, yes. <laughs> and, and then when I saw him run into the locker room, I said, oh, he's trying to put on a brave thing for the independent uh, doctor that's going to check him for a concussion, right? You know, and, yeah. and here's the other thing. Everybody was, was, was making a big deal that it, on, on Monday that he was still in concussion protocol. Well, of course he's in concussion protocol uh, because un- until you do two days in a row of strenuous work, That's you true. stay in concussion protocol. And, and so, That's true. Uh, you-, you know, it- not until they have, a- not until he goes out and works out, and then the next day gets up and works out again without any any uh, problems, uh, he's going to stay in concussion protocol. You know, and uh, it was funny listening to uh, Troy Aikman today uh, on. Uh, on uh, during his segment on the ticket, uh, talking about the 1993 NFC title game when he got knocked out, uh, and there was no week between that game winning, uh, beating San Francisco, and then going to the Super Bowl in Atlanta. And he said that the con- concussion that he suffered in that NFC title game was the worst one of all the concussions he suffered in the NFL. And he said if it was today, he said there was no way they would have let me play in the Super Bowl. He said there were absolutely wow. I would have been in concussion protocol and I wouldn't have made it to the game. So things have and changed see, that's why. and have changed for the better, let's face it, right? Yeah, no doubt. Because no I doubt. remember because that, if you remember so when, when 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 they, they the, the Cowboys showed up the, that um I guess it was Monday in Atlanta, and they did the night interviews that night. And I don't know if Troy still knew where he was. You know, I think one of the times <laughs> when they asked him after the game or where he was, and he, I'm in Henrietta, Oklahoma. You know, <laughs> so when they say you got you got knocked into yesterday, he he got knocked into yesterday. Uh, I, I, yeah, you talk about that. Uh, I recall it wasn't a concussion. But in the 1991 championship game uh, against the 49ers when I was with the Giants and uh, LT on a passing play makes Joe Montana pull the ball down and then here comes Leonard Marshall for the cleanup. And I told people we didn't Joe woke up in Kansas City. That's the next time you saw him playing football. So those hits, yeah, they can knock you into another region. They can knock you into another stratosphere, another time zone. And that's why it's important for quarterbacks. The slide rule is good. And sometimes Mahomes can be, you know, very macho about that. You know, he's a Texas kid. You know, he doesn't want to be thought of as just that guy that slides all the time. But it's smart to slide because not only did his head hit the ground, 
just the way he was being manipulated, it looked as if he would have had he also would have had some neck problems. Mm-hmm. Because once those linemen catch up with you, they're trying to hurt you. And and a quarterback as well, they want to, their their goal, let's be real. Their goal is not just to tackle a quarterback. The goal is to knock a quarterback out of the game if you get the chance. And that's going old school. And that's new school. It doesn't matter. That does not change. You know, and that's why it was dicey on the on the third down scramble by Chad Henney, because he was going to get there. You know, however, he he, he reminded me of Dak Prescott, right? <laughs> he wasn't sliding. He was going to go head first, right? What if he got hit? You know? Yeah. They're probably punting because I don't know who the next quarterback was uh, that would have would have been able to come in and, and the play punter for him. the punter probably was the next quarterback. Yeah, you, you're you're probably right. You know, and, and and if you think about it, the same thing nearly happened. In that, and then the other key play in that game uh, was Higgins dive diving for the pylon and then fumbling the ball through the end zone for the touchback. Mm-hmm. That was the killer. You know, and I, I think that I saw the, the, the interview with Stefanski, and he basically said our rule of thumb is if you're going to be first in goal at the one, you don't reach out. Let, let's give us four chances right. to get in. And, you know, and he got plus hit. they had like a minute. It, was, it yeah. was over a minute plus to go. So it right. wasn't like there was a time serious situation there. And, but you know what? He got he got helmet to helmet, and you know he got, that could have very that was, well that been was, a, uh, a they missed foul. It. They targeting. missed that. They missed that. If I'm a Cowboy fan and that happens to us, I'm going off right now. That's the <laughs> first thing that we talk about, and we'll probably talk about it through the break. If that, if I'm a Cowboy fan and that happens to us, that call needs to be made. And if you're talking about the you, the reason for the helmet to helmet rule. It's for the safety of the players, just like with the quarterback. So now you can't, can you review that? And if you can review it, why wasn't it reviewed? That's something that should have been really taken care of instead of, it seems like they were trying to, to, as referees, they, they were trying to rush the game along. This is a playoff games. That's the time when you have to get everything right. That's the purpose of them having the best referee crews in playoff games. So they, they got it right all year long. You need to get it right now. This is crucial. And I thought, I don't know if you can review that. You tell me, Spags. But if you can review it, it should have been reviewed. I don't know if they can review a missed penalty. Now, in college, they would have no. reviewed it, right? Because it from upstairs. You know, in, in college, it's you under see two it minutes. It's, it's, it should be reviewed as targeting. It's under two minutes. Doesn't yeah. that take precedence? I don't know if they can review targeting if it's not called. If it's not called on the field. Yeah. And even in college, I think it's got to be called on the field. Although maybe not. No, I, no, I think they can call. I thought you. I thought. I thought you could go to New York. I thought okay. you could go to New York. It's something that's not decided on the field, but it would be decided by the guys in New York. That's what I thought. See, and the, and the problem was there was only one official there that could see it, right? And his, his view was, where's the ball in the pylon? He probably wasn't looking at the There's hit. There's so much for him to look at yeah. there. Yeah, inbounds is he inbounds. And, but and that's why it should go? have been – Shifted to New York. That's why. Yeah, that's York why they need to have. You're right, Everson. That's why that needs to come from above. Uh, that's why know, they need a sky judge. That is exactly why. Right, right there, the guy right. buzzes down and say, "Hey, you need to look at this." Just like pass interference, the guy up there can see it. Yeah, he can see it better than the yeah. guy that's on the field looking at three different things at once. And, and, and they just refuse to do what they should do. They got cameras all over the freaking place. They got, they got beautiful angles everywhere. College football, pro football, I don't know why it's not done already. Yeah, where was the pylon cam on that play? <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, what about the Sunday night game? Brady and uh, Breeze, what did you think of that one? I, I somewhat felt sorry for Breeze. You know what that game reminded me of? He, he, Michael Thomas tried to play, right? He wasn't right. He's, now he's going to have surgery. 
All right? That's how bad his injury was. He tried to go out there and play. It reminded me of the 2007 playoff game with the Cowboys and the Giants when Terrell Owens tried to play, but he wasn't Terrell Owens in that game. And, the Cow- and, 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 and Tony Romo didn't really have a lead receiver to throw the ball to. And that was an instance where uh, I, I just thought – on a couple of those interceptions for Drew Brees, his guys that he was throwing to sold him out. They didn't run the route right. The one to Kamara, I don't know what what he was thinking. Man, I don't know what happened on that one, Spag. I mean, that he, was, he, he it, had Kamara him, never turned running. around. No, he never turned. And what, he, I, I'm not sure what time, <laughs> at what point he was going to turn because he ran right into the coverage when he tried to throw him open. Uh, so yeah, unless he was going to hook up before that defender that got the interception, unless he was going to hook up before that defender came across, that still could have been intercepted, Spags. Well, I, I if just he was supposed he to hook a better up, opportunity, it wouldn't have been just no a doubt. clear, no you doubt. know. And then the other one bounces no off doubt. the guy's hands and it gets intercepted. And, yeah, you know, and I know the quarterback yeah. gets charged for all the interceptions, but look. Neither quarterback, I mean, you know, they, they talked about, you know, how well Tom Brady played. Wouldn't he have to drive like a, a yard or two, uh, 30 yards, 20 <laughs> yards for a touchdown? It wasn't like he was zipping up and down the field. The defense won that game uh, for Tampa Bay. And that was the impressive part of that game. We talked about the Saints, number one defense. I had a feeling that Brady was not going to have that great game. And it's like you said, Spags, it wasn't that great a game. He was just solid. He actually just managed that game with the great talent that he has uh, on the field. But at the same time, you look at the, the Tampa Bay defense was really what won that game for them. And I, I have always been one of those, I guess, because I'm a defender. I look at, I can see Drew Brees and his talent dwindling a bit and I can see him being a bit predictable uh, down the seams is the strength of the offense always has been if I was a defender that's exactly how I play him it seems like more defensive coordinators are, are understanding that and they're really putting a lot of pressure on Drew Brees up the middle everything is up the middle whether it's a blitz or whether it's where you concentrate your pass defense it's always going to be between the numbers. That's Breeze's strength. And, and they, fi- they finally started to figure that out. Plus, his arm is just not quite there like it used to be. So, yeah, those interceptions have been coming more often than they were in the past. And his effectiveness is going down bit by bit. Is this his last game? That's the good question. Is he going to come in and try it again with a great defense that he has? What do you think, Spags? Well, you know what? I trust Jay Glazer, and Jay Glazer's pretty close to Sean Payton. And when he uh, announced uh, right before uh, our the last segment of the pregame show that this was the last home game for uh, Drew Brees, regardless if they won, they were going on the road, the Super Bowl would be on the road, then I, I would think this is probably it for him. He's pretty tight with uh, Sean. And the scene after the game would uh, indicate it as well. Uh, And supposedly for a couple of hours, Breeze and his family were out on the field, and you probably saw the video of uh, Brady out there with them throwing a pass to Breeze's kid. It was just uh, a couple of 40-year-olds, 40-something-year-olds just playing catch with the kids out in the park. Uh, Let me me give some context to that, by the way. Because if yeah. you've, if you've and, and I don't know, I mean, ever since played at the Superdome, I'm going to assume, uh, the visitor's oh, locker yeah. the visitor's, the visitor's <laughs> locker room is on the opposite end of the field from where the buses take you away. So, and the worst part is if you lose, you've got to walk 100 yards all the way across the field to get to where the buses yep. are. So Tom Brady didn't go out there and make a special effort to talk to him. He had to walk all the way across. And I'll give you a good example. The last time um, the Cowboys played, was it last year or two years ago? It was last year, right? They played at New Orleans uh, and got beat. 
Um, I don't think so. Did maybe it? it was two years ago. Not not this season. Yeah, twenty nineteen or twenty. Right. And anyway, okay. So okay. I'm making I'm yeah. making the walk, the hundred yard walk, right? And Sean uh, is on the bench. Uh, his kids are out there playing. Uh, his kids, they're grown now, but they're still out there throwing the ball around, right? <laughs> and uh, and he saw me, and, and and we we talked for a while before I got to the bus. So you, you, th- that's kind of a natural thing. The the players normally go out there with their kids afterwards. Uh, so and they you didn't just make meet that up. Walk. They didn't make a yeah, special Yeah, you got to make that walk. But he did stop, and that was a neat thing. And and he and he told his he told Breeze's son, "Now be nice to your sister," because I guess they were wrestling on the field or something. It was pretty cute. <laughs> so anyway, one I just of thought them was I'd doing like one arm. Uh, one of them's going to be a gymnast. I saw some some one one arm somersaults going on out there, so that was pretty good. One of the kids is going to be. I think it's one of Breezy. I think it's Breezy's daughter. She's going to be a nice gymnast, a cheerleader, or something, because she was out there making some moves, man. Everson, how amazing is it that these guys are still doing it at, uh, over the age of forty? I, I think it's it's very amazing. I, I'm you know. I, I, I'm a little envious as a defensive back. We don't really get to ride off into the sunset like that. Never do. Uh, the quarterbacks are the ones that always get to have these press conferences and things of that nature. But to play until you're 40-plus years old, I don't give a doggone what kind of advantages you might have or whatever. That is an amazing accomplishment. And to have your team in the position that it's in now is is pretty cool. I recall I was only 31 years old one time and uh, I made a play in the, in the end zone. It was Sunday night football. I made a play in the end zone against Philadelphia. And the commentator said, yeah, he, he made that play with, I think he said, the light shined off my gray hair or some crap like that. <laughs> I'm like, you know, commentators, words hurt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, so now if I'm watching that game, I'm like, oh, yeah, Everson Walls is old. Did you hear what the commentator just said? So now the narrative is already out there. I can't rewrite it. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's I think every position really should get a chance to to be glorified in that manner. You, You see them sometimes they just can't wait to just kick guys out the door. And especially guys that have done so much for this NFL. And I'm I'm going back to the 80s and 90s where there was no love lost for anybody. And Spags knows about those days. Now this is a nice politically correct league to where guys are getting a little bit more uh, love, a little bit more consideration based on what they've contributed to the NFL. So it's good to see that those guys are getting that. I'd like to see all types of players get that kind of love and respect into their older ages. That's why you got to be. Ask you, this. you got to be a deep snapper. <laughs> yeah. All right. So ever. Yeah, Everson. they've got many ceremonies for deep snappers out there when they retire. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Everson, of all the cornerbacks who played to a uh, to a late time in their career, late thirties, whatever the age might be. Who, who is the most amazing to you that they, they kept their skill level up into their late 30s or, or whatever age you want to put on it? I can't think of any defensive back that went into their late 30s, but just a, a Dallas Cowboy that I was very impressed with who made a, a change in his, career, in his style of play as he got older. And I, was, I, was, I kind of did it myself, so I appreciate what he did. Watching Darren Woodson sacrifice his strong safety prowess to drop down and cover the slot on third downs, that was big for me to watch a guy who basically came out of, high, out of college as a linebacker and, and, and worked himself into one of the best strong safeties the Cowboys ever had. And then from there, to drop down and cover a slot receiver which is the toughest uh, position to cover on third downs and passing downs. I was very impressed to see how Woodson was able to, to play out his career while doing that. And I know how difficult that is because I tried to do it myself. Okay, let me, well, th- let me be more specific. How amazed are you that Daryl Green was able to oh, do it yes. at, to, to <laughs> oh 42 God. years of age? <laughs> 
I saw Dell Green, 30, I guess it was, he must have been 37, 38 years old, put the lockdown on Randy Moss. I believe it was Monday Night Football. And it was amazing to see. He's, he's maybe Spagnola's size. They're about, they're about the same height, let's be real. They both talk a whole lot of trash, get on my damn nerves. <laughs> but at the same time, he was so accomplished at what he did. He never got interceptions. He, got, they, he set a record for like at least one interception uh, every year for 17 years or something like that. That's not impressive to me. What's impressive to me is the way that he handled wide receivers who were the, at the peak of their careers while he was at the end of his. No interceptions, just straight up shut down, real shut down. I'm not talking about Deion Sanders or I, I shut him down. No, 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 because I talk trash with my mouth. No, he shut them down with his legs and he, it, was, it, was, it was evident and it was often. So, yeah, Dale Green was that guy. Thanks for bringing that up, uh, Bill. Uh, yeah, a, co- a cornerback who played 20 years in the NFL, retiring after the 2002 season at age 42. Texas A&I, right? Was it Texas A&I? Texas A&I, A&I yeah. yep, which is now Texas A&M Kingsville. That's All right, crazy. we continue. Uh, how about we talk a little uh, Hall of Fame when we come back here on Mix Shots in just a moment. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. To mixed shots. Experience the most competitive and highest profile off-road motorcycle racing championship in the world when Monster Energy AMA Supercross returns to AT&T Stadium March 13th, 16th, and 20th. Tickets are on sale now. Get yours before they sell out at SeatGeek.com. You know what, guys? I've never told you guys. I used to do that stuff. No, you did not. Really? Yeah. And no, you, for real. And you lived to tell us. And I lived. I, I, have, a, uh, I have a broken clavicle <laughs> to, to show for it. But, yeah, I, we used to, my neighborhood, we used to jump. We made our own ramps. we do Evil Knievel. That was my hero. Evil Knievel <laughs> was my hero. I had a Honda, one, Honda XL100. And I, we, we tore up the neighborhood. Me and my buddies, it was three of us. And I know those people in my neighborhood in Hamilton Park were so mad at us because we were up and down those streets all day long 
every day. I've never thought about what an inconvenience that was for all the people that are trying to get some rest. Because right now, if I had some people riding around my neighborhood making all that noise, I would shoot them. I promise you I would. <laughs> How old? But no, I was, I was very good at it. And, and we had guys in my neighborhood who were even better than me. So like we when you were it. in high school? Uh, it, it was uh, when I started playing football, uh, my senior year in high school, I finally made the team, uh, went out for football. After that, I stopped riding. But before that, yeah, I was riding. We rode. I rode it to school. Yeah, it was it was it was very that was my thing, man. Motorcycles were the best. They were the best. So what sports did you play before your senior year in high school? You didn't play football until your senior year in high school. Basketball. Well, I mean, I, I, I uh I played basketball, of course. Yeah, I played basketball. Uh, never liked baseball that much. My dad loved baseball, of course. He would have been a great center in, in fielder. That generation was Ever a since Jackie Robinson lover, so it was, they were baseball. You would have roamed center field. You would have been a great Oh, I was the willing, you know, like I tell people, anytime you have a one black kid on an all-white baseball team, <laughs> where do you put that black kid? <laughs> Wait, let me tell you, let me tell you, because we had, we had our one, right? Center field and leadoff. <laughs> That's it. Well, I was, I was a little bigger, so I was center field and cleanup. So I, I batted fourth. But yeah, that, and I couldn't catch worth a crap until my dad finally showed me and, and to this day, people ask me, well, who's your, the best coach you ever had? My father was my best coach I've ever had he taught me how to catch and that that's playing center field that Willie Mays scenario mm -hmm. that was a matter of necessity because I couldn't follow the ball in the air at all it was like what the hell am I doing out here I dropped everything and I asked my father why was that I said why is the ball moving so much he said son you're not running on your toes and so once I ran on my toes, I tried it at practice, and it was like magic. I could follow the ball without it dancing in the air. And wow. so people, when, when Brad Sham said, Brad Sham was the only one that noticed it. He said, Everson, I knew when you were going to get an interception because your gait changed. Uh -huh. That's because... Once you turn and look for the ball, I have to be on my toes. I can't run like, you know, the, 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 the frantic urgency type of running. You have to gather yourself and run on your toes so that you can follow the flight of the ball. That's mm -hmm. what made me what I am today, and it's no lie. That's why my dad's my, my, my best coach I've ever had. Tom Landry, Eddie Robinson. Belichick, it doesn't matter. My father was my best coach simply because of that. Out of necessity. Otherwise, I'd have been getting hit in the head in center field all game long playing that baseball game. And then, I just figured you would be a great center field because you're able to track the ball so well in, uh, as a cornerback in the NFL, too. But you're well, right. I mean, baseball was first. Baseball yeah, made me the football player I am. There you go. Oh, and you think about it with baseball players at, at the pitch. All right. You, you, you don't have to be on your toes until the pitcher gets in the windup and is throwing the home plate. But the great player, you're on your toes at right at the pitch. Got to uh, be on your so toes. You got to jump on the ball, up. too. That's All right. Let's it. talk Hall of Fame. And uh, apparently the virtually the Hall of Fame selection committee is meeting today. They've already discussed Drew Pearson uh, this morning. I'm assuming they're all going to keep it a secret until the Saturday before the Super Bowl, Mickey. What, what's the deal on that? When's the announcement going to come? Yeah, it doesn't come till then. I mean, they're they're going through right. all so the, the so the Drew process won't find now. out until then. Well, they're they're yeah. they're eliminating. I mean, they're they're whittling it down to what the last fifteen is that what it is? Yeah. Yes. But yes. but why were they discussing the senior then? Well, there's only it's only he's the only senior. They right? got He's right, the only exactly. senior. So, he's the so, only senior. What I'm saying is, if they're going to meet again on that Saturday before the Super Bowl, just discuss him then. Yeah, well, I guess I he still I gets whittled yeah, down because normally they the, do it when there's more than more than two guys to see. But usually those guys are automatically right. talked about on Saturday, right. regardless of what happens today. Right. So I don't. I'm not okay, sure right. why why that that would take place. Plus, they're going to rubber stamp this one. This they, this ain't going to happen. 
right. you know, he, right. he's exactly. in. So uh, he's in for sure. And then, and then when they have the ceremony finally next, what next year or I'm losing track to my time. Yeah, when they do. Well, it'll be in <laughs> because Cliff, Cliff August? still got. Yeah, they got so many they got to put in this Jimmy's year. Cliff and Jimmy both both have to go in, right? So it'll be August, right? right? It's going to be such a huge ceremony this year with uh, last year's class and this year's class going in. Yeah. So you get you're going to have three Cowboys with Jimmy Johnson, Cliff Harris, and Drew Pearson going in. Uh, what about Cliff Harris? Coaching. You got two free agents going in. That's extremely yeah. How about that? Cool. That's yeah. extremely cool. And should that, have another one that's with it, us it right just, now. It, you know, you think about where Cliff came, came from and what he's been through. Really, both he and Drew, you know, as we get older, we go through our tragedies and things of that nature. And they've been through so much. Uh, uh, Cliff's father uh, was blind. I don't know if he's still alive. He's still alive, but, he, but he's blind from diabetes. Yeah. <clears throat> that's his cause. That's Cliff's cause. We play in his uh, diabetes uh, golf tournament mm-hmm. uh, all the time. And that's his cause. That's why he and I are pretty tight in regards to that because of the whole thing, what I did with Springs. And it kind of brought Cliff and I a little bit closer together and made me a little bit more empathetic towards what he and his father been going through. His father never could see him play. His mm. father could never visually, physically see him play. And for Cliff to be able to, to, to make this honor you know, and his father still be around. That's pretty, pretty cool. Very amazing. And be a free agent. Coming out of where? Wachita Baptist University. Give yep. me a break. <laughs> Arkadelphia, Arkansas. <laughs> uh, All of that sounds like made-up words. All of them sound like made-up words. <laughs> Cowboys searching for a defensive line coach, if, if not more than that. Mickey, right? Uh, yes, and who knows, that, that might just be the start of redoing that uh, defensive line coach. Uh, reports out there say they've uh, interviewed uh, Aiden Durd, is that how you say, D-U-R-D-E, and Giff Smith uh, for the defensive line coach. Durd served, uh, uh, he, he worked with Dan Quinn uh, on the staff in, in Atlanta, uh, started off as a defense quality control coach and then was an outside linebacker coach so I don't know how much uh, actual NFL experience he has other than those couple years and then Smith uh, had spent five seasons with the Chargers as their defensive line coach Uh, prior to that uh, he was a defensive line coach uh, with the Titans for two years the Bills for three years and then Georgia Tech he started off there uh, six years as a defensive coach, so uh, looks like they're looking to bring in someone there. Uh, by the way, uh, I, along I, those lines, Mickey, 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 just for a second, uh, you know, Quinn could decide to coach like Marinelli did, right, coach the defensive exactly. line and be the coordinator. I mean, and that's so why he became, he could be technically the defensive line, and coach. he's probably yeah. looking for a, an assistant defense. I mean, he's got. Right. He's got Leon right. Lett, exactly but he right. has another spot there, if he, assuming they keep Lett, uh, and then just have a guy there to help out for, for more of the clerical work. But he could, he could uh, be the defensive line coach. You know, I saw an interesting note on, on Dan Quinn, uh, and I don't know what the narrative is outside there about the Cowboys hiring Dan Quinn. Uh, you know, I heard some people go, oh, yeah, let me get excited about that. Well, okay, fine, <laughs> but but think about this. The guy has a, a long resume as a defensive line coach, and I read where the Cowboys hired him just in time because that's who Urban Meyer wanted to hire as his defensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Uh, he, he had circled Dan Quinn uh, to be his defensive coordinator, uh, and the Cowboys beat him to the punch. So... What everybody thinks of the great Urban Meyer, you know, that that was his notion uh, to fill out that spot for himself. Uh, And then the other thing, speaking of Urban Meyer, uh, I saw uh, Scott Linehan's name came up as an offensive coordinator uh, candidate for for that job, too. So another guy that the narrative out there wasn't very kind to, uh, even though he took a rookie quarterback in 2016 and won 13 games. You know, and this whole notion about the Cowboys run the ball too much, well, 
we, we keep talking about these playoffs and how successful these teams uh, have been running the football during the playoffs. So take that. Hey, what wins championships? Obviously defense, first of all. But I've learned this year, offensive linemen. Yes. The offensive line can win you championships, especially with a good defense. Or it can turn. Something that I learned this year. Never too old to learn something, I'll tell you that. Or it can turn you into. uh, You can turn you into. 6 and 10 or 5 and 11, whatever the hell it ended up real yeah. quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then another note on a co- former Cowboy coach, uh, Dan Campbell. I don't know if Detroit made it official yep. yet, but they were supposed to announce that today as hiring him as a head coach. Was it su- somewhat of an upset, if you think about it, because all these head coaches that are getting hired these days, they're all coordinators, a coordinator of offense, a coordinator of defense. And, and Dan Campbell basically was an assistant uh, assistant head coach to Sean Payton and the tight ends coach. So uh, that's that's rather remarkable. Okay, and then how about do you think Jason Witten would be interested in the Tennessee job? Wow. <laughs> I, I thought of that. I thought of that yesterday when I saw what happened to Pruitt. Uh-huh. Um, I would not at all be surprised if he's a top candidate for the I Tennessee job. I can't see. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, and I, I don't want to disregard anyone's talent and, and ability to inspire. But for some reason, I see Witten would inspire high school players. A whole lot more than he will college players. Well, I, I think, can see well, Witten being a high school coach. Here, I, I I remember maybe it was a couple years ago when all the notion came up that you know he he that, that Tennessee needs to hire him he as was, a head coach. Tennessee talked to him, right? They talked to him, and I had said something to mm-hmm. somebody uh, around here that I respect, and 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 I said something. Well, I think the hardest thing he would have is knowing enough people to hire a staff. Uh, and, 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 you know, without having been in the coaching circles. And I, was, I got looked at like I was cross-eyed and was told, don't <laughs> underestimate Jason Witten and his ability to put a staff together, okay? Just like that. I said, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So maybe, uh, maybe it's a possible. Look, they're going to need a name to uh, get through what they're getting ready to get through, right? They're going to get put on probation. Is that right? He hasn't retired yet, has he? No, That's why I asked the question the way I did. (laughs) I think there's no doubt he would be a candidate. If they didn't have the recruiting violations and the probation they're about to go through, I think there'd be no doubt he'd be all over that job. That's why I asked the question the way I did, would he be interested in it? Because they are going to be, I mean, they're already internally – they fired the head coach and nine assistant coaches. Obviously, they did something that the NCAA is going to come down big time on them. Yeah. And so he's going to be – whoever takes that job is going to be so far behind the eight ball as far as scholarship limitations and so forth. It may just be a no-win situation for whoever takes that job. I mean, that's, that, that, that's not the death penalty, but it's going to come close, I guarantee you. Especially in the SEC. Yes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they weren't yeah. doing anything in the SEC anyway, so they well, were Well, you know, well, behind. what happened. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, if you think about it, last, not this, this season, but the previous season, they finished like on a six, seven game winning streak, and they were, they were projected a top 20 team this year in the polls, and everybody was expecting them to uh, win, the, uh, win the East, and they just fell apart just fell apart big time. All right. Well, that does it for this edition of Mix Shots. we got a lot to discuss next week on Mix Shots because we will have a Super Bowl matchup. And our teams are... Oh, you want us to pick? <laughs> our teams KC. are... KC. 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 Kansas City. And Green Bay. And Green Bay. And oh, I, you want me to go on the NFC side? If I'm going on the NFC side, oh, I got to go with Packers. I got to go with Aaron Rodgers. All right, you got the home teams winning, Mickey. You got the home teams winning. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll go out on. A, I'm going to say Kansas City and Tampa Bay hosting a Super Bowl. Brady versus Mahomes. 
And only doing that because I want to be different. Oh, and and it would be the first time in history, right? The team hosting the Super Bowl that's right. play in it. Hosting that's its right. own. That's right. Yeah, hey, I'm that's gonna right. leave you. So, I'm gonna leave you is... with one last mix shot, okay? Uh, they kept talking okay. about when uh, Aaron Rodgers ran for uh, a touchdown uh, in, in the game, and it was the first time a quarterback. A Green Bay Packers quarterback ran for a playoff touchdown since 19. Oh, no, no, wait, no, going. wait, no, wait. Let me, let me. Oh. No, I got it wrong. Yeah, for the first time since 19 uh, that they run for a touchdown since Bart Starr ran in. Yeah, for thanks a lot, Spags. Thank you, Spags. Yes, we appreciate that that memory. Yeah, yeah. I, I get chills. I get chills right now thinking about that game. Yes. Uh. <laughs> I, On I, that I, note, and I've told Bill, I told Bill the story because you know I grew up a Packers fan, right? And uh, yeah, when, we know when they when they lined up to, <laughs> when they lined up to go for it with, with what was it, 13 seconds left and no timeouts. And yeah. I'm yelling at my dad. I'm going, "What's he doing? He's got to kick a field goal. If he doesn't get in, the game's over. They're going to lose." <laughs> Little did I know, huh? <laughs> Or as Tex Ram oh, said man. to his dying and Bob day, Bob Lilly couldn't get any footing. Yeah, as Tex Ram said to his, to his dying day, he said, "The worst call a coach has ever made in the history of the NFL to go for it in that situation." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, if it's not a bad call if it works. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, that does it. For mix shots for a Tuesday, the is it the nineteenth today? I believe it's yep. the nineteenth. So we will see you again next Tuesday for a Senior Bowl edition of mix shots. <laughs> it's already the Senior Bowl next week. See you next week. Go Cowboys! This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about-